Ladies and gentlemen and non-binary friends, welcome back to Nerd Explosion, the weekly podcast are based on a monthly theme, I nerd out about whatever I want. As always, I'm your host, Cameron. We are finally at the end of our Stranger Things journey. At least, for now, you know, until Season 5 comes out, which will probably be in the next few years, but who knows, you know, they should, they can really take their time with it. I mean, if it's going to be the final season, they definitely have to take their time with it. But, like I said today, you know, we've gone through Seasons 1 through 3. And now we're finally going to talk about season four. Uh, just same thing as last episodes or the other episodes. You know, go over the plot, go over some stuff about it. And once again, I also took to Reddit to ask people what their best and worst moments were from season four. Uh, I was going to do this episode as like a two-parter because this came out in two different volumes. But given that volume two was only like two episodes, I'll just lump it all into one episode. So I will say before you listen to this episode major there's gonna be major major spoilers for season four so if you have not yet watched season four if you're a fan of the series and you have not yet watched season four i recommend stop listening right now go watch it on netflix but if you have seen it or you're just okay with spoilers you know then please continue you know i appreciate you being here but before we get into all that New episodes of this podcast come out every Saturday, so make sure, you know, you do all the things. Do all the things. Click around, click any bells, click any lights, click any follows, you know, just do do all the things. You know, spread the word, spread the word of this little this little thing that I do. With that being said, let's journey once again into the Upside Down and talk about Stranger Things Season 4. Season four of Stranger Things. My God. Like, I keep saying, like I said in a previous episode, uh, each season just gets better and better. And that is, that is ultimately demonstrated by season four. It is amazing. I absolutely love season four. It's just, it's topped, uh, like season three will always be my favorite just cause it's like, I got into Stranger Things from like the first season. Then season two, you know, really got me into it. But season three is what cemented my love for this series. And season four is basically giving me that same thing. It gives me the same excitement that I felt during season three. But what is season four? At least according to Wikipedia, the fourth season of the American science fiction horror drama television series, Stranger Things, was released on the streaming service Netflix in two volumes. The first set of seven episodes was released on May 27th, 2022, while the second set of two episodes was released on July 1st, 2022. So yeah, season four released this year, like literally only a couple months ago. The season was produced by the show's creators, the Duffer Brothers, along with Sean Levy, Dan Cohen, Ian Peterson, and Curtis Dwin. Returning as series regulars are Winona Ryder, David Harbour, Millie Bobby Brown, Finn Wolfhard, Gatton Matarazzo, Caleb McLaughlin, Noah Schnapp, Sadie Sink, Natalia Dyer, Charlie Heaton, Joe Thierry, Maya Hawk, Priya Ferguson, Matthew Modine, and Paul Reiser, while Brett Gilman was promoted to series regular after recurring in the f- previous two seasons, Brett Gilman being Murray, and he's just, he's got upgraded to, like, a like a regular cast member because he just kept popping up. So they're like, yeah, hey, we're just going to add you to the main characters. Uh, Jamie Campbell Bauer, Joseph Quinn, Eduardo Franco, and Cara Bono also star. Tom Walschia, Nicola Dorito and Mason Dye appear in recurring roles. The season was met with positive reviews, with critics praising the performances of the cast, particularly those of Harper, or Harbor, Brown, St. Bauer, McLaughlin, and Quinn. The visuals, action sequences, realistic themes, and the darker, more mature tone, though some criticized it for being overstuffed due to the lengthier episode runtimes. The first volume of the season received 13 nominations for the 74th Primetime Emmy Awards, including Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Drama Series. Yeah, these episodes were so much longer than previous seasons. Like, previous seasons, they barely hit an hour. These episodes, or season four, a lot of them are pretty much almost an hour and a half. 
with the last episode of season four, uh, episode nine, being two and a half hours. Like, my God. It's like watching Lord of the Rings almost. Set in 1986, eight months after the events of the third season, the fourth season is split between different plot lines. The first plot line takes place in Hawkins, where several teenagers are killed in mysterious ways. It features Dustin Henderson, Max Mayfield, Lucas and Erica Sinclair, Steve Harrington, Nancy Wheeler, Robin Buckley, and Eddie Munson, the leader of the Hellfire Club, a Dungeons and Dragons group that includes Dustin and his friends. Eddie becomes the prime murder suspect and is hunted down by Jason Carver and members of the basketball team who believe that Eddie killed Jason's girlfriend, Chrissy Cunningham, using satanic powers. Dustin and his friends investigate and discover that the murders were carried out by a powerful being that lives in the Upside Down, whom they later dub Vecna. The second plotline involves Mike Wheeler visiting Eleven, Will, and Jonathan Byers at their new home in California. Due to the events in Hawkins and the imminent danger to her friends, Eleven goes with Dr. Martin Brenner and Sam Owens to a secret facility to help her regain her powers. Mike, Will, Jonathan, and Jonathan's friend Ardile try to track Eleven down. The third plotline shows Joyce Byers and Murray Bauman when they learn that Jim Hopper may still be alive. They are told to bring money to arrange for his transfer. Meanwhile, in a Soviet prison camp in Kamchatka, Hopper is held prisoner and is forced, along with other inmates, to battle a demigorgon that the Russians have captured. Alright, so, you know, you kind of give away a lot there, Wikipedia. Thanks for taking away most of my job, you dick. <laughs> but... Yeah, I'll, I'll go over each episode a little bit and just talk about some some of the best moments in that. So, like they said, there's some new characters that they introduce here. Um, Eddie Munson, who is, quote-unquote, you know, from Jason, known as the Town Freak. Uh, he's the leader of the Hellfire Club, which is a Dungeons & Dragons group that Mike and Dustin are a part of. And I'll, I'll get to what they do in the first episode, but uh, other people here... Let's see, recurring guests. Uh, Jimmy Campbell Bauer is Henry, Cle Henry Creel slash one slash Vetna. I'll get to that too in a second. Uh, Joseph Quinn is Eddie Munson. Uh, real quick, there's something about Joseph or Joe Twin that I want to actually uh, talk about. I think I said this in a previous episode. I don't know if that episode is still up, but it's, uh, there's this thing that happened. I guess Joe Twin was at a panel. Or he was at this convention thing, and he was doing meet and greets with people. And I guess the people at this convention didn't like how much time he was spending with fans. You know, because he was, he was just trying to get to know people. I mean, they paid a lot of money to be there. He wants to make sure they get their money's worth. So these convention people, instead of just letting him do what he wants because he's an actor, they're just like, hey, shut the fuck up and keep the line moving. It's like, dude, how are you going to treat... You're, you're getting essentially getting paid by him. And by the convention, that doesn't give you a right to be a dick to him. Like, he's, you know, like, <laughs> like, not to sound like that guy, but, like, he's a celebrity, you're not. He is the reason all these people are here. And, frankly, he is the reason you're here. Just because you don't want to deal with it doesn't mean, you know, everyone else has to suffer. But, anyway, that's a, that's a weird tangent I wanted to go off on. Uh, let me see here. Chrissy, Chrissy. Grace Van Dien as Chrissy Cunningham, uh, Logan Riley Brunner as Fred Benson, uh, D uh, Dr. Montgomery actually pops up as Billy, but we'll get to that a little bit. Uh, season four is just insane. And let's go over, let's go over some of the episodes, shall we, before we get into, uh, some fun facts. So we got chapter one, the Hellfire Club. In a flashback to 1979, Dr. Brenner is experimenting on children possessing supernatural abilities until a mysterious incident kills all the children except Eleven. In 1986, eight months after the events at Starcourt Mall, Joyce, Will, Jonathan, and Eleven have moved to California, where Eleven struggles with the loss of her powers and is routinely bullied by other students, including the town bitch Angela. My god, I cannot stand Angela. Oh my god. I'm sure, and a lot of people are with me on this. I've seen on the Reddit. A lot of people despise Angela. Like, I love her actor, because I love anybody who can play such a hateable character, or can play a character that everybody's like, God, I hate him so much. That means, you know, they're doing their job right. But Angela, like, just as a person, as a character, fuck, fuck her. Fuck, 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 fuck. Joyce receives a porcelain doll in the mail, seemingly from Russia and finds a hidden note stating that Hopper's alive. In Hawkins, 
Mike and Dustin have joined their high school's Hellfire Club, a Dungeons and Dragons club led by the eccentric Eddie Munson. As a result, they miss seeing Lucas win the basketball's team championship game. Max, who has broken up with Lucas, struggles to grieve Billy's death. Chrissy Cunningham, a student on the cheerleading team, is haunted by visions of her family and a chiming grandfather clock. While buying drugs from Eddie, Chrissy is possessed and killed by a sentient humanoid creature from her visions. We find out later that humanoid creature is, is uh, Vetna, but kind of backpelling a little bit. Uh, yeah, Max is still, she's seen the school therapist and she's still, she's not all there. I mean, I wouldn't be either if I saw my older sibling literally get skewered by a giant supernatural creature right in front of me. So yeah, she's still grieving Billy's death. Meanwhile, um, Chrissy, we find out uh, Chrissy Cunningham, who is on the cheerleading team, she's also the girlfriend of the basketball captain, Jason. She's been haunted by visions of like her mom, her mom just being really controlling and everything, and she keeps seeing a grandfather clock, which, you know, plays in, well, playing a lot to the plot. And at some point, she uh, opts to buy drugs from Eddie. Now, let me just talk about Eddie Munson for a second. People are in love with the character of Eddie Munson so much that, you know, they actually sell, like, real... God, why are people blowing up my phone right when I'm trying to record? I suppose it's my fault for not silencing it, but... Anyway, people are in love with Eddie Munson so much that the Hellfire Club shirts that they have in the show, they actually sell, like, legit replicas of them. I actually have one, too. Actually, the other day, I got some more Stranger Things shirts. I got... Uh, a Hellfire Club shirt, and I got the one I'm currently wearing right now, my Surfer Boy Pizza shirt. Surf Shop, Surfer Boy Pizza, this is Argyle speaking. We make everything fresh here at Surfer Boy, except for our pineapple, which comes from a can. But I still highly recommend slapping some juicy pineapple on your pie. Oh, fruit on your pizza's gnarly, you say. Well, I say try before you deny. <laughs> Chrissy is going to buy drugs from uh, Eddie because she knows Eddie you know, smokes drugs, he smokes pot, and she's like, oh, maybe this will help me. And they actually, they meet in the forest, and they actually have a cute back and forth where Eddie's like, hey, you know, you don't remember me, do you? And Chrissy's like, oh, yeah, you were that kid. And they have a nice back and forth. And then while they're talking about <clears throat> stuff, Chrissy asks him if he has anything stronger to help her. So then later, when uh, Eddie and Chrissy go back to his place, his uncle apparently works overnights, so he's there. It's just those two. And Eddie goes digging around for some stuff. And while Chrissy is alone, she starts to get possessed by Vetna. And then, you know, she goes off. And that come, you know, that's where we get the infamous Chrissy wake up. Hello, can you hear me? Wake up, Chrissy. Chrissy, wake up. I don't like this, Chrissy, wake up. And then she gets, you know, she floats in Eddie's trailer. She, uh, you know, gets her arms all, her bones just snap into her jaw breaks and she collapses which we found out yeah vetna that's how vetna captures people basically preys on their their worst fears or their biggest regrets and just like hey you're gonna join my army now so yeah chrissy dies and that's pretty much how episode one ends so then we move on to episode two or chapter two vetna's curse hopper has survived the explosion underneath Starcourt Mall, but was captured by Soviet soldiers and sent to a prison camp in Kamchatka. So yeah, right off the bat, in episode 2, we find out that Hopper actually survived at the end of season 3, because I guess he somehow, you know, was avoided the blast. You know, just when they blew up the gates of the Upside Down, he somehow avoided that blast, because he, uh, he had Joyce press the button to destroy the gate, and, you know, the self-destruct button, but he somehow you know, survived under that, and when he came to, he got captured by, you know, Soviet soldiers, and he got sent to a prison camp in Kamchatka, Russia. Joyce and Murray called the, call the phone number on the note she was sent and speak to Dmitry Antonov, a prison guard that Hopper has bribed. Antonov has them deliver a $40,000 ransom to his contact in Alaska. Mike flies to California to visit Eleven, where he and Will witness her being bullied by her classmate Angela. Eleven eventually retaliates by striking Angela in the face with a roller skate. Okay, yeah, backing up. So, there's this whole thing. I'm going to back up to season one, too. 
uh, you know, Eleven is still dealing with the fact that, you know, she can't use her powers because she used she used every bit of her power to get that bit of the mind flare out of her leg in season three. So she's still she's still without her powers. Uh, there's a moment in the first episode where Angela and her her Dana bitches uh, bully Eleven and then Eleven shouts. She's like, Angela. And then she screams and like she's going to use her powers, but nothing happens. And then everybody laughs at her. Uh, chapter two. Angela and the rest of her bitches really step it up by pretending to be her friend. You know, they all go, actually, Eleven lies to Mike that Angela and them are her friends. And they all go to a roller rink and Angela hears, or hears Eleven say something about friends. And she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, friends, you know, we, let's go, let's go roller skate, buddy. And they drag her to the middle of this, uh, the roller rink. And all of a sudden a song plays. She's, Eleven is caught in the middle and everybody circles her. And at one point, or Mike catches on to this, and Mike is just like, hey, you know, goes to the DJ, he's like, hey, stop the music, and he's like, okay, and as soon as they stop, some guy rolls up to 11, uh, spills a chocolate ch- uh, chocolate milkshake on her, I'm assuming it is, and she just embarrasses her in front of all these people, and then eventually, 11 gets so, like, her anger just builds and builds, like, she spends a lot of time crying in, like, this closet, and Mike and Will can't find her at all, and, you know, they have a discussion. I forget what the, exactly they say, but uh, Eleven, at some point, she her anger just builds and builds. So she decides to take matters into her own hands. She takes a roller skate and just bashes Angela right in the face with it. Not, like, repeatedly, not ruthlessly, but just one good bop right in the face. And Angela starts bleeding. And most people would be like, ooh, that's brutal. But I'm just sitting there like, yeah! Fuck you, Angela! Fuck you! <laughs> I just, I love that part so much. And, I mean, a lot of people are like, oh, I saw somebody post on the Reddit was like, was Eleven brutal for doing that? I'm like, no. I mean, was it a little brutal? Yeah, but also, bitch had it coming. Angela had it coming. Hi, Dorian. Did you have something to say? I guess not. All right. Anyway. Yeah, Angela had it coming. All right. Anyway, moving on with the rest of this episode. Mike tells, or Max tells Dustin she saw Eddie run away the night the uh, Chrissy died because Max actually lives across from Eddie. Uh, along with Robin and Steve, they locate the traumatized Eddie and explain the upside down to him. Eddie and Dustin name the entity that killed Chrissy Vecna. Nancy and her fel- fellow student reporter Fred investigate Chrissy's death. Eddie's uncle tells Nancy he believes the killer is Victor Creel, a Hawkins resident who was institutionalized after allegedly murdering his family in the 1950s. Fred is lured into the woods by visions of a girl he accidentally killed before Vetna murders him. So yeah, in chapter 2, Vetna strikes again, but this time she goes after uh, Freddy, which I gotta say, Nancy is not good at keeping friends. First Barb and now Nancy. Or, first Barb and now Freddy. God. So yeah. Uh, Like I said, Vetna feasts on uh, people's fears. Or people's, like, stuff that, you know, they... They don't want to acknowledge or, you know, stuff from their past. Stuff that people think is their fault. Like, Fred, Freddy accidentally killed somebody, I guess. And Vetna was just like, oh, good, I'm going to use that against him. And, you know, recruit him for my Army of the Damned, I guess. But yeah, Freddy dies in Episode 2. Uh, now we move on to Chapter 3, The Monster and the Superhero. Sam Owens, you know, the scientist Owens, you, you remember him from previous seasons. He's visited by U.S. Army Lieutenant Colonel Jack Sullivan, who believes Eleven is responsible for Chrissy's death. Eleven is arrested for assaulting Angela, but is taken by Owens, who explains that Hawkins is in grave danger and that he has been working on a program to help bring back Eleven's powers. Eleven agrees to go with him. Joyce and Murray fly to Alaska to deliver the ransom for Hopper. Hopper bribes a fellow inmate to break his shackles using a sledgehammer. Not only does this person break his shackles, but in turn, well, he asks this guy to break his shackles with a sledgehammer, and the guy's just like, but your ankle will also break, and and Hopper's like, yeah, I know, just fucking do it. So, yeah, Hopper's a badass. Like, he becomes the ultimate badass in in season four. Like, not only does he have a cool-ass, you know, shaved head look, but also, you know, Hopper, you know, he's he's gotten tough. Like, he's he's an ultimate badass in this season. Uh, all right, where was I? 
Nancy and Robin go to the library to look up information about Victor Creel and discover that Creel blamed his family's murders on a demon, which they believe to be Vetna. Jason leads the basketball team to hunt for Eddie, believing him to have killed Chrissy, but Lucas abandons them. Yeah, so uh, going back, obviously Jason was devastated about uh, losing Chrissy, but all because he doesn't like Eddie, he blames Eddie for Chrissy dying, and then he gathers, you know, the rest of his students to be like, hey, let's go, you know, let's go kill Eddie, and they're like, yeah, because, and there was actually another post I saw on Reddit, somebody was like, was Jason right for what he did? I'm like, no, or like, was Jason actually a good guy? And it's like, no, Jason is not a good guy at all. He, you know, obviously, yeah, I get being upset that his girlfriend died, I get it would be a traumatic thing, but... The only, like, one of the only reasons he's blaming Eddie for Chrissy's death is because he doesn't like Eddie. And also, he's one of those people that, and this was an actual thing that happened too, a lot of people with Dungeons and Dragons back in the 80s believed it was uh, satanic rituals, or believed it to be some form of Satanism, and that's what Jason believed too. Jason believed that uh, Eddie and the Hellfire Club were doing, you know, satanic stuff by playing Dungeons and Dragons. So ultimately, he's just like, hey, because they do that, he probably killed Chrissy, let's go kill him. But yeah, then Lucas is just like, wait, I don't think that's right. Eventually, he finds a way to, because the whole thing with Lucas, up to this point, he was more focused on trying to be cool and, you know, not being a nerd. Because there was at one point, he has a talk with uh, Mike and Dustin about the Hellfire Club, and Lucas is just like, hey, you know, I don't want to be a nerd you know, the rest of my life. I actually want to be cool. And at this point, he's just like, you know what? Being cool is stupid. I'm going to leave you guys, especially if you're going to go after my, my friends. Uh, moving on. Max recalls that Chrissy had visited the school counselor before being killed by Vetna. She steals Chrissy and Fred's files from the counselor's office and learns they suffered from PTSD symptoms similar to hers. Max hears Vetna call her name and envisions a grandfather clock. So yeah, by the end of the episode, we find out who Vetna is targeting, you know, who wants, who Vetna wants to be his next victim, and it's dear old Max. Because, of course, he's, you know, preying on her regrets and her, you know, vision or stuff for, uh, about Billy. Chapter 4. Dear Billy. Joyce and Murray deliver the ransom payment to Antonov's contact, Yuri, but he drudged them, planning to turn them and Hopper and Antonov, over to the Russians for a larger profit. Uh, let me back up for a second. Yuri, like, when he first got introduced, I actually kind of liked him. He was he was really goofy, and I was like, I like this guy. And then as soon as I found out that he was betraying them and he joined them, I'm like, I don't like this guy. Like, he's, uh, like, he's a good character, and I did not see the betrayal coming, I will say that. Hopper escapes the prison camp, but is soon recaptured. Jonathan, Mike, and Will prepare to sneak away from Wallace and Harmon, Agents sent by Owens to watch them, but armed soldiers attack the house. They escape with the help of Jonathan's friend Argyle, bringing an injured Harmon with them. Nancy and Robin interview an imprisoned Victor Creel, who recounts his family being tormented and killed by supernatural forces while he was arrested for their deaths. Let me back up for a second. Yeah, they visit Victor Creel, who everybody believes is a killer, but uh, Victor actually reveals that there is. It was probably. was definitely like Vetna or some other supernatural force that had killed his family. And Victor Creel in this episode, it which is funny because he's Victor Creel talks about he's haunted by nightmares about this whole thing. And the guy who plays Victor Creel is none other than Robert England, aka the OG Freddy Krueger. Like how more fitting could you get? Somebody was haunted by nightmares of his family dying. You know, played by a guy who literally played a monster that fed on people's nightmares. <laughs> yeah, God, Robert England, he was so good in this. I was not expecting to see, you know, Freddy Krueger pop up in this. But, yeah, they find out that, yeah, Victor, in fact, was not responsible and it was supernatural forces. But at this point, they think it's Vetna. I'll get to who it actually was. Later. Max, fearing that Vetna is about to kill her, writes letters to her friends and family and goes to the cemetery to read her letter to Billy by his gravestone. She is soon possessed by Vetna and finds herself at an altar inside his mind. 
Steve, Dustin, and Lucas learn from Nancy and Robin that playing music can break Vecna's spell, and they play Max's favorite song, Running Up That Hill, on a cassette tape. This opens a portal through which Max narrowly escapes Vecna's control. So yeah, they find out that, you know, if you're being, if you're being taken by Vetna, if you play, if you play that person's favorite song, they can break free of Vetna's hold. And, which I gotta say, Running Up the Hill, great song. I actually played it, um, as part of this episode before I did all this. Running Up the Hill is such a great song. And when I first heard it, like playing on the radio and stuff, I thought it was like a brand new song. I did not realize that this song came out in 1985 and, Kate Bush, who sang the song, who wrote and, you know, performed the song, got a big fat check from this. Like, I think the song got, like, a few more million downloads because of this. It's, I mean, it's a good song. It's a really good song. But uh, the the version that they play during this whole scene when Max is, you know, running out of Vetna's, or out of the Upside Down and back to them, it's like a dramatic, like, cinematic version of Run Up the Hill. And it's just, it's glorious. Uh, while I'm on that subject, uh, for the trailer for season four, they play like a dramatic, uh, cinematic version of Separate Ways by Journey. And I have, I actually have it added in my music library because it's just, it's phenomenal. It's a great version of Separate Ways. Like, it's just, it's so dramatic and intense. And I'm just like, fuck yeah, man. But yeah, it's just, it's a, it's really great. Um, chapter five, The Nina Project. Owens takes Eleven to an abandoned ICBM silo in Nevada, where he and Dr. Brenner have developed a specialized isolation tank, dubbed Nina, that will allow Eleven to access memories of her time with other children at Hawkins' lab. Eleven attempts to escape and briefly regains her powers in the process, convincing her to continue with the experiment. In California, before Agent Harmon dies, he gives the boys a pen containing a phone number for the Nina Project that connects to a modem. Mike decides to enlist the aid of Dustin's girlfriend, Susie, at Salt Lake City. So, we see Susie come back in this, and she actually lives in, like, this big home with a bunch of other kids, and they find out, like, oh yeah, you know, Susie's actually a real person. I mean, they heard her first, they never met her, but then they're like, oh hey, Susie is an actual person. After Yuri's betrayal, Hopper is imprisoned alongside Antonov. While flying to Russia, Joyce and Murray subdue Yuri and crash land in the wilderness. Backing up to that, that whole thing is just amazing. Yeah, they're all tied up and Yuri's transporting them to Russia, but they managed to get, they actually managed to get free. Uh, Joyce and, actually Murray actually gets to free himself and distracts Yuri while Joyce gets free and, you know, goes for a gun or whatever. And Murray, during this whole scene, he's just, he's old. I love Murray so much. Apparently he had taken karate. He has a black belt uh, karate or whatever. And he's just, he takes out Yuri. He just like kicking him, punching him. He's just, he's amazing in this scene. I absolutely love it. But yeah, they take control of the plane or barely take control and they crash land in the wilderness. Max, Lucas, Steve, and Dustin regroup with Nancy and Robin and decide to investigate the Creel house. Inside, they encounter flickering lights, which they trace to Vetna's movements in the Upside Down. Jason and his teammates locate Eddie trying to escape in a boat at Lover's Lake. Jason and Patrick swim after him. In the water, Vetna kills Patrick in front of Jason and Eddie. <laughs> so, this is, and this is the part that really upset me, because after this, Jason still wants to go after Eddie because he still blames him for the deaths, even though he saw Eddie and his friend Patrick, you know, he saw his friend Patrick get killed right in front of him, and Eddie, uh, off to the side doing, you know, fuck all. Then we got Chapter 6, The Dive. Eleven relives memories of befriending a lab orderly who warns her not to trust Brenner. She also recalls being threatened by other test subjects, leading her to believe she was responsible for the lab massacre, Susie helps Mike's group locate the Nina Project's coordinates. Hopper and the other inmates are given a large feast, which Hopper warns is to prepare them to be fed to the Demigorgon. He later manages to pickpocket a lighter, recalling that the Demigorgon's weakness is fire. Joyce and Murray force Yuri to take them to a nearby town where he stores his goods and decide to have Murray pose as Yuri to infiltrate the prison. Jason galvanizes Hawkins' residence at a town hall meeting against Eddie's supposed satanic cult. 
Steve's group finds Eddie. Dustin notices his compass misbehaving and realizes there must be a new date to the Upside Down nearby. They trace the date to Lover's Lake, where Steve's, Steve dives down to inspect it before being yanked into the Upside Down by a tendril and swarmed by bat-like creatures. Nancy, Robin, and Eddie dive down after him. And lastly, for Volume 1, we have Chapter 7, The Massacre at Hawkins' Lab. Now, this is the one that revealed a lot of heavy stuff, so be prepared. Joyce, Murray, and Yuri enter Kamchatka and witness Hopper and his fellow prisoners fighting the Demigorgon. Hopper holds the creature back with a flaming spear, while Murray and Joyce subdue the guards and open the prison doors, allowing Hopper and Antonov to escape. Joyce and Hopper reunite. I loved seeing that scene. It was just, it was, I was just like, yes, finally. Dustin, Lucas, and Erica theorize that Vetna has spawned a day at the site of each murder, which they communicate to Steve's group in the Upside Down, because they, uh, they communicate through lights. They, basically all the parents after the town meeting, they're like, oh, what are we going to do with this? And while they're off to the side, Dustin, Lucas, and Erica use a light bright to, uh, they actually are able to communicate with uh, everybody else, everybody that's in the Upside Down. You know, Steve's group in the Upside Down. Which, I love that they call it Steve's group. They just automatically make him the leader, which I guess at this point is pretty on par for Steve. But, yeah, whatever. Uh, both parties reunite inside Eddie's trailer at the gate where Chrissy died. Because, I guess, in Eddie's trailer, uh, when Chrissy got thrown up into the ceiling, it created a gate into the Upside Down. Robin and Eddie safely exit, but Vetna possesses Nancy. She discovers that he is Victor Creel's son, Henry, who killed his mother and sister with, the, with his psychokinetic powers before falling into a coma and being placed in Brenner's care. Henry became Subject 001 in Brenner's attempts to replicate his powers, and later the orderly that Eleven befriended, Eleven finally remembers Henry committing the lab massacre and trying to kill her when she refused to help fulfill his murderous ambitions. Eleven overpowered Henry and sent him to the Upside Down, where he became Vetna. I was just, like, at this point, me and my wife were watching, and I was just like, oh my god! I, like, I knew it! I kind of knew it, but it was like, oh my god! So yeah, this, uh, this orderly that Eleven's been talking to, Henry, turns out he is Vetna, and he is also... Henry Creel, the son of Victor Creel, who has psychokinetic powers, and he's actually the one that, you know, murdered his mom and his sister, and basically he fainted into a coma after, you know, using his powers intensely, and his father ended up going to, you know, ended up getting arrested because they thought he murdered him, when it was really Henry the whole time. And when Henry woke up from his coma, he was, you know, brought into care, into the care of Dr. Brenner, who began this whole thing, you know, named him Subject 001. And also, it was revealed that Henry was actually the one behind the massacre at Hawkins' lab. So the thing that we, we kind of knew about from Season 1, we knew there was a massacre at Hawkins' lab, and we assumed it was Eleven's fault. But this just revealed that Eleven had nothing to do with it. It was Hen it was Henry. <laughs> it was Henry all the law. Do 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 do. And there's actually a nice parallel to something that happened back in season one. Uh, you remember in season one when Eleven took her took care of the Demigorgon and she like pinned it against the wall and it like dissolved into the wall and I guess kind of created a date to the upside down. I guess Eleven, when dealing with Henry, did the same thing. You know, it created the things to the upside down. And then it showed a... I love how they revealed... They basically... You could already piece it together, but then they, like, just laid it on real thick that Henry was also one who's also Vetna. Uh, there's a scene where Henry is, you know, flying... Or one is, you know, flying through the upside down, getting struck with all kinds of lightning. And then it goes... It quick goes to a shot of Vetna standing there, you know, all tentacled up and whatnot. And there's tentacles on his arm that move out of the way to reveal 001 on his wrist. And I just, it was so, it was such a great way to reveal, you know, to reveal that Vetna, Henry, one are all the same person.
And now, we move on to Volume 2, which begins with Chapter 8, Papa. Vecna shows Nancy a vision of the future where Hawkins is torn apart by rifts before releasing her. So, that might give us a hint at, you know, something that might happen in Season 5. The group determines Vetna needs four dates to enact his plan. Max offers to lure Vetna into possessing her so the others can attack him while he's distracted. Eleven, using her powers, learns of this plan and gets Owens to arrange transit to Hawkins. However, Brenner secures Owens and traps Eleven, insist insisting she needs to complete her training. Eleven realizes that Brenner had been using her for years to try to recover Henry from the Upside Down. Sullivan and his forces arrive at the site and kill all the staff. Brenner flees with Eleven, but is shot himself. Sullivan's crew tries to kill Eleven from a helicopter, but she uses her powers to take them out, just as Mike's group arrives. She does not concede to understand Brenner's motives before he dies. In Russia, Hopper, Joyce, Murray, Yuri, and Antonov escape the base after discovering several more creatures from the Upside Down, as well as a shadowy fragment of the Mind Flare understudy at the prison. Lastly, we have Chapter 9, The Pityback. The group enacts their plan. Mike, Lucas, and Erica go to the Creel house, while Steve, Nancy, and Robin go to its upside-down counterpart to attack Vetna, with the bats being drawn away by Dustin and Eddie. Eddie, at this point, so basically Eddie, he's like, oh, you know, there's music, you know, we need music to distract them. So Eddie, in the Upside Down, hooks up his guitar and starts playing Master of Puppets by Metallica, which, again, is another song that was featured in the season that got so many more people, so many more downloads because of Stranger Things. So yeah, he starts playing Master of Puppets, which, fun fact, Joe Quinn, who plays Eddie Munson, can actually play a Master of Puppets. Like, he's actually a skilled guitarist. Uh, and this got so popular that Metallica themselves actually invited him uh, backstage and do a VIP thing and started talking with him about the show and actually gave him a, a signed guitar. And it's just, it's amazing. I absolutely love it. But, unfortunately, Eddie sacrifices himself in the process because he didn't run away. <sighs> anyway. <laughs> Eleven's group creates an isolation tank for her to enter Max's mind and fight Vetna. So basically, she fights Vetna through Max. However, Vetna overwhelms her and possesses Max, revealing to Eleven that he has controlled the Upside Down ever since she sent him there. So, Vetna has been controlling everything in the Upside Down from Season 1. Basically, from Season 1 onward. She, Vetna has been the, you know... He's basically been the puppet master this whole time. Mike professes his love to Eleven, giving her the strength to break Vetna's control over Max, but after interference from Jason Carver, Max dies from her injury. So, yeah, sorry, we're not going to see Max again in season five. Yeah, I just, you know, she dies. You know, poor old Max. It's, it's really sad. I was just like, no! My baby, my baby girl? No! But, yeah, no. Vetna, it's all because of Jason. Jason, you know, the son of a bitch. Jason, you know, I think he dies in this, if I remember right. I don't know. Let me continue reading, actually. Hopper, Joyce, and Murray re-enter the prison and kill the remaining Demigorgans, weakening Vetna. Steve, Robin, and Nancy set Vetna's physical form ablaze and shoot him, apparently killing him. Eleven uses her powers to revive Max, but the latter's brief death allows Vetna's gates to open and tear through Hawkins. Actually, yeah, no, this is the rifts that Nancy was seeing, I forgot. Two days later, the town is recovering from an earthquake. Everyone unites, while Max remains comatose. Will senses Vetna is still alive, and the Upside Down begins invading Hawkins. And this is where Season 4 leaves off, leading us to, you know... Hopefully everything works out in Season 5. Either that or the world will end. You know, we don't know. But, yeah, surprise, actually. Max actually comes back. Well, quote-unquote comes back. But Max is in a, uh, in a coma. Bless you, Mochi. Oh, I thought you had another one in there. But, yeah, Max is quote-unquote revived. 
she's she's in a coma, and we, I guess we have to wait till season five to know if she's awake. Uh, but that is all there is of season four. Like I said, you know, there's you know so much more that you know there's so much that season five now has to live up to because it's got to be as far as I know it's the end of everything. So it's got to go out. It's it doesn't just have to go out with a bang. It has to go out with a fucking explosion, like a supernova level explosion. Uh, real quick, we find. Let me see if I can find some. Uh, find some fun facts here. Uh, marketing. Let's see what they got in marketing. The season's official announcement showed a ticking grandfather clock in the Upside Down and ended with the tagline "We're not in Hawkins anymore." which led many news outlets to speculate the show's setting would be relocated to Russia. A teaser was released on February 14th, 2020, showing that Hopper was still alive. So yeah, they spoiled that way back in 2020. On October 2nd, 2020, the show's various social media accounts posted two photographs from different sets, a poster for a pep rally hanging in a hallway at Hawkins High, and a clapperboard in front of a grandfather clock in the Upside Down a scene that was first depicted in the season's initial teaser trailer. A second teaser was released on May 6, 2021. On August 6, 2021, a sneak peek was released featuring most of the core cast and announcing that the show would return in 2022. On September 25, 2021, a third teaser was released showcasing the house that was previously owned by the Creel family. <coughs> Excuse me. The final teaser was released on November 6, 2021, and showed inside Will's and Eleven's lives in California, with the episode titles for the season being revealed on that same day. On February 17, 2022, the social media accounts associated with Stranger Things released four teaser posters, one to coincide with the four teasers that were previously released, and a fifth poster announcing the release date of both volumes. On March 23, 2022, Netflix released various stills from the upcoming fourth season. On April 12, 2022, the first official trailer was released online. On May 20, 2022, the first eight minutes of the season's first episode were released online. Uh, let's read viewership here because viewership seems really interesting and then I'll get to uh, Reddit. Netflix reported that by May 30, 2022, Stranger Things 4 had been viewed more than 287 million hours surpassing the previous first week viewership record from Season 2 of Bridgerton, which had 193 million hours in its first week. Earlier seasons of Stranger Things also broke into the top 10 viewed programs in the same week as Stranger Things, Stranger Things 4's release. With its fourth season, Stranger Things became the second Netflix title to reach more than 1 billion views viewed within its first 28 days of release following Squid Game. It reached 1.3 352 billion hours of viewership in the first 28 days, making it the second most viewed program after Squid Game and the most viewed English language series ever. Yeah, season four went hard. And it's no wonder it's basically taken over. It's season four, Stranger Things, it's everywhere. Like you can't you can't go anywhere nowadays without hearing something about Stranger Things 4. But to end this episode off. Let's go to Reddit. Now, I asked people what their best and worst moments were of Season 4. So let's start things off with one of my regulars on these posts. ITAA underscore Q says, Here are my favorites. Eleven destroying the chopper, reuniting with Mike, and then the Papa scene. Max escaping Vetna, which I already said, you know, they did the dramatic version of running up that hill. Uh, the Demi-Dorgan killing all the prisoners. The military invading the buyer's house, Owens and Eleven's talk at the restaurant, the ending with Hawkins looking like hell on earth. Yeah, I, I love that too. Just the just the dramatic like, oh shit, Hawkins is, might be done for. And then the whole talk between Owens and Eleven at the restaurant, Owens is like, yeah, Hawkins is in danger and we really could use your help. So if you're willing to help us try to regain your powers, you know, you can save everyone. Uh, this person says their least favorite. While I did enjoy most of his dialogue a lot in the piggyback, I did not enjoy Vetna's reveal that he made the Mind Flare. Yeah, that just kind of felt like on the nose, like, oh yeah, by the way, the Mind Flare? That was on me. Uh, the, the love tension between Steve and Nancy, like, we did it, you guys used to date, we did it. And honestly, like, a lot of people were like, oh, does Nancy deserve Steve or does Nancy deserve Jonathan? I don't think she deserves 
either of them, honestly. Uh, I didn't really like Murray doing karate. That I have to disagree with you on because I just, that makes me love Murray so much more. P Zombie says, Best, Nancy and Robin with Victor Creel in the asylum, the shootout at the buyer's home in Cali, Max Ruth scene, L taking down the helicopter in the goodbye papa moment, Jonathan's speech to Will. Worst, Nancy and Steve scenes straight out of the CW. The unnecessarily dragged Hopper torture scenes in Russia. Joyce just leaving her kids without second thoughts. Redundant Steve and Dustin bickering moments. The scenes where characters were saved by plot armor. Nancy, Steve, and Robin being choked by the vines for half an hour. Murray and Joyce surviving the plane crash. Bats being deadly to new character Eddie, but not to main character Steve. I did, I did get that. Uh, let's see. But, uh, Wyvern999 kind of, um, adds into it about the whole bat thing, saying, Maybe because Steve was being attacked by three bats and was saved, while Eddie was attacked by hundreds with no one protecting him? That is a good point. Steve literally was attacked by, like, only a few bats, but everyone came to his aid. Whereas Eddie was attacked by, like, literally hundreds of bats and no one was really protecting him. Emperor Boston says, His top five best moment, or their be top five best moments, sorry if I misgendered you, their, their top five best moments, Max is running up the hill, obviously, Hopper tasting peanut butter again after arriving to the church, simple scene, showing how much joy something as small as peanut butter brings to Hopper. I love that scene too, the fact that like when Hopper actually escaped the prison and you know, found that church with all the supplies, and he was so goddamn happy to be eating peanut butter. Like, he was just so goddamn happy, and I was like, you know, me too, man. Uh, Eleven's Goodbye to Papa wraps up a season four arc. Eddie and Chrissy's forest scene, amazing chemistry between these two in just, just literally just a minute. And Jonathan and Will's Heart to Heart, simple, but a beautiful scene. Uh, their top five worst moments... Vetna's monologue in episode 9 with a reveal of him being the big bad. Not a fan of Vetna's writing or him being the big bad. I'm not, I guess I, I like the Mind Flayer more than I liked Vetna. Uh, anyway, uh, Joyce and Murray surviving the plane crash. Again, plot armor. The Rinkomania bullying scene. A tad too melodramatic for me. Explanation for Hopper's survival. Didn't make sense. Nancy piecing together Max's drawing into Creel House to convenient. I actually replied to this person. I was like, now that you mention it, piecing Max's drawings together does seem too convenient. Also kind of a reused plot point, like we didn't just see Will do this two seasons ago. Uh, somebody else replied, was like, I don't mind Vetna being test subject 001 or the big bad, but I think they should have made him a little less all-encompassing. Like... Him making the mind flare took away from something that was really cool, reduces it into hive mind control gas. I think it should have been more, he's one with the the upside down, rather than he dominates the upside down. I kind of get that. You know, I, I wish Vetna was more like a, you know, I am one with the upside down, instead of like, I'm, you know, in control of everything. And I, I, I wanted the mind flare to be more of like, just as uncontrollable being that has like a, ulterior motive instead of Vetna being like oh yeah I created this thing I sent it out who's all me effective ad 273 actually didn't give best and worst moments but they did say this they they said and I quote controversial opinion season 3 was way better than the season 4 I still love season 4 but season 3 has something more special to it so much more watchability and better cohesive story I think I really love specific scenes in Season 4 a lot more than Season 3, but as a whole, Season 3 is way better, to which I replied to them with, I started getting hooked Season 2, but Season 3 will always be my favorite for cementing my love for the series. That's like I said earlier, like, Season 3 is re what really got me into the series, so I still have a major love for Season 3, but I ultimately did love Season 4 as well. Ember is a Reddit user, says, I comment, but I can't think of a single thing I didn't like. And with that, that's all Reddit has to say. And also with that, I think that's all I got time for. I'm almost going on an hour at this point. You know, this is before I edited it down, but I'm almost at an hour at this point. Jesus Christ. I knew this was going to be a long episode, so I already kind of planned with that. And uh, 
my voice is actually dry. I have I don't think I've ever taught this long. I haven't taught this long in a podcast episode for a long time. But ultimately, I guess overall, I'll give an overall uh, perspective of Stranger Things since we're at least right now at the end of the series until season five happens. But yeah, season four or Stranger Things from season one to four, I just I love the series so much. There's a lot. Uh, like my wife said in the season three episode, she at first thought it was a kids show, but then when she actually sat down and watched it, like, okay, this is really good. And I kind of thought that too. I thought it was like a kids thing, but then I actually sat down and watched it, and I'm like, oh, this is actually not for kids, and this is a really good show. I actually really love this show, and it just got better and better with each season. With obviously again season three being my favorite, but season four just being a really good like ramp up to you know, eventually what is going to be the end in season five, which at this point, Hawkins is torn apart by the upside down. So whenever season five comes out, we're going to see how that, you know, plays into how, you know, how that gets solved and just, you know, what happens to the town of Hawkins? Will it ever be the same again? Who knows? Uh, and then I'll, I'll do an episode later in life when that comes out, whenever it comes out, it'll probably be next year or something. I might do a one-off episode. Which, speaking of one-off episodes, as long as I'm on that subject, since I'm at the end of the episode, September, the theme is going to be one-offs. And by that, I mean I'm going to do, like, just one... uh, Each episode is going to be about one specific thing, but not, like, not based on a theme, just, you know, one specific thing. It'll be different each episode. And I'm calling it one-offs because some of them will be something I just want to talk about one episode, or something that I forgot to talk about in a previous episode that I want to talk about, I want to dedicate its own episode to. So, September, the theme is going to be one-offs. But, you know, with that being said, I mean, reflecting back on Stranger Things, getting back on topic, Stranger Things, go watch it. I recommend it. Go watch it. If it's not your thing, it's not your thing, don't worry, but I definitely recommend you watch it. If you've already watched it up to this point and you're as excited for season 5 as I am, then congrats. You could be my best friend now. <laughs> uh, with that being said, I'm going to call it an episode. I am super sweaty from talking about season 4 for this long. Uh, I hope you guys are doing positive things out there, drinking plenty of water, staying hydrated. I love you guys. You guys mean the absolute world to me. As always, I've been Cameron. And as always, I will see you guys in the next episode. Nerd, Upside Down, and Out.